what I wanted to do this morning, and, and we're not going to, hopefully, I say this, we're not going to be too long, but I, I wanted to continue on the kind of thought from last uh, Sunday evening. We're going through this uh, little series called I Love My Church. So remember we started off with, I love my church, but I'm drifting, because that, that happens. And drifting's a dangerous thing, because we don't see it oftentimes. Uh, we looked at, I love my church, but I'm stuck in a rut, and how many of us can say there's been times in our Christian life where we've been stuck in a rut. We don't feel like we're going backwards, but we don't feel like we're going forwards. How do we get out of that? How do we restore uh, the joy of our salvation and, and, and get on fire for the Lord? And, you know, we were meeting as a leadership team last night and we were talking about, you know, how beautiful it is when um, people come to faith in Christ and have that zeal of the new believer. Now, I'm talking to you, season saints. Do you remember the zeal you had when you first get saved? And then what happens? The world happens, and fortunately, sometimes other Christians happen, and difficulty comes in. But we want to get back to that. How do you get it out of a rut? You get back to that zeal and that enthusiasm and that fire that you had because God is good and he is above all and beyond all and he is willing to uh, uh, lead us in that passionate service of him. So part of the getting out of the rut was simply this. Take responsibility. You are where you are, not because of God, but because of you. And I'm talking about your spiritual walk. Not your circumstances, your situation. Your spiritual walk. So the first thing you have to do if, if you're drifting or if you're stuck in a rut is you've got to take responsibility. You've got to take accountability and say, do you know what? I am where I am because I've walked from the Lord. He hasn't walked from me. He is where he was the day that he saved me. He's the same God. So we take responsibility and we say that our love then becomes action and we walk in the word. Then we looked at, I love my church, but I'm not a church member. And, and thankfully people responded to that and came forward in membership. But I, I wanted to take that a little bit further and just take that concept. And really this morning look at the one another things that I mentioned uh, last Sunday night. So this is what I want to say to you. Uh, the, the message this morning is entitled simply this. I love my church, but I don't need anybody. What is that? It's, that's, that happens. That happens. I mean, I love the church. But I don't need anybody else around me or, 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 or ministering to me or helping me. I've got this. And, and really that thought is a rise of individualism. And individualism came along in, in philosophy. As you know, the Western church is so influenced, unfortunately, by philosophers. From Plato to Aristotle and on. And we get to the point where individualism is being raised. And in fact, a lot of it gives birth to the Reformation. And that's a good thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. But one of the criticisms that the Roman Catholic Church has, and we know where we stand on that, but the criticism they have is if you start to go this way and have individualism, then they'll, they'll just be groups and groups and groups. And it'll splinter in faction. And to a certain extent, that has happened. But individual thinking isn't bad. But individualism, in a church context, is, is. Let me take you back to the garden. Let me take you back to the beginning. God created man, then he created woman, because he said what? It's not good for what? Man to be alone. And there are many applications to that. In the garden, there was fellowship. Initially, God and man God, man, and woman. God walked in the garden. 
But we've come to a place now where we've taken the God bit and we'll say, yeah, well, we need God, but we don't need anybody else. Because people let us down. Because if we trust people, they'll abuse that trust. Now, is that always the case? Is that a definite, determinate statement? No. Unfortunately, it can be an experience. And then that shields us and guards us. But what, what I want to say to you this morning is when we look at this concept in New Testament church of one another, we will find repeated, 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 repeated again. So the Greek word for one another, alilon, um, it comes in different forms, but it really means to be uh, to gather, mutual, reciprocal, one another. Simply that. And, and really, actually, the truth is that kind of obedience to those commands is kind of an imperative. When Jesus says himself, you'll, you'll know that people are, are, are your disciples of mine because of the love you have for one another. So what we're going to do this morning, we're not going to do any kind of, you know, doing any illustrations, not doing any fancy. I'm simply going to look at the scripture. Same thing as I did with membership. I'm going to look at the scriptures this morning. So if you have your Bible, um, uh, turn with me to John chapter number 13. If you don't have your Bible, I've put it up here. We're going to have a look at the one another passages in scripture. Now this, this word one another occurs in its forms about a hundred times in the New Testament. And uh, we're going to do all a hundred. No, we're not going to do all hundred. We're going to have a look at some of them. We're going to have a look at the positive commands for one another. That's what to do. And we're going to have a look at the negative commands for one another. That's what not to do. So John chapter 13, uh, verse 34. And again, we're just going to go through scripture. And I'm going to make a little comment. I I want, want the word of God to talk to us this morning. So that we leave this place convinced of the truth that we need one another. We need one another. We need the Lord, absolutely. Without him we can do nothing. But we also need one another. Here's the first one another. We're to love one another. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Notice what Jesus says. He says, love one another. But he doesn't leave it open. He doesn't leave it open. Make your mind up what that love looks like. He doesn't do it. What does he say? As I have loved you. So what we're to do with one another is to love each other as Christ has loved us. Now that's a calling, if I ever heard one. But that's what we're called to. We're to love one another. Turn to Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 10. I mean, these are up on the screen, so you don't have to turn if you don't want to. We're going to get through them because there's a few to get through. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honour preferring one another. What's that mean? It means we're to be devoted to one another. We're to honour one another above ourselves. This is dying to self. We often think of dying to self as it's just a spiritual walk between me and the Lord, but it's, it's so much more than that. It has its uh, uh, vertical working, but it also has its horizontal application. But yeah, we've got to put some others first sometimes. I don't particularly like the way they do that, but if they're serving the Lord and they're uh, growing, then I'm going to step a step back in this. I prefer one another, honour one another. 
Look at verse 16. Romans 12. Be of the same mind one toward another. What's that mean? We've got to be in harmony. We've got to be in harmony. Now, this doesn't mean that we're uh, uh, all carbon copies of each other. Far from it. It means that there's unity in our diversity. Do you understand that this morning, church? That we're all individuals. Different personalities. But we've got to be in harmony. Doctrinally and practically. Together. One another. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 verse 11. Wherefore comfort yourselves together. What are we to do? We're to comfort one another. Comfort one another. Because... Newsflash, we live in a world that is fallen. We live with our fallen sin natures and we fight the battles every day against ourselves, the flesh, the world, the devil. It's hard going out there and difficult times come. But we've got to comfort one another. And to comfort one another, we have to have some form of one anotherness. Absolutely. Romans 15.5 Be like-minded towards one another. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. And I love what the scripture does here under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Reflects the God of patience. And then structures to be like-minded. What does that mean? It means we have to be patient with one another. You have to be patient with one another. Who struggles with patience? Anybody? I feel for you. I, I've got it nailed. Claire will tell you. Patience is one of my virtues, is it not? Absolutely not, she says. <laughs> we struggle with that. We struggle with that. But this is the, the, the conflict of, of, of who we are in our sin and who we are should be in the spirit. We have to be like-minded. And to be like-minded, we've got to be patient with each other. We've got to be patient with each other. Part of that, verse 7 then, is accepting one another. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us. Accept one another as we are accepted in him. Christ is the benchmark. He's the standard. What does it mean to accept one another? Just to understand that we are different. We have different personalities. We have different preferences. It's fine. And we have to accept one another and, and have a place for that within the body. Verse 14. This is important because we can't, we can't negate this. Admonish one another. And I myself am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. What am I saying here? We have to be able to challenge one another. This one anotherness is not one anotherness at all costs. It's not one anotherness without a doctrinal base. It's ecumenicalism. That's not what we're about. That's not the one anotherness I'm talking about. We need to be united in doctrine and fellowship. And part of that is we need to be willing to be able to admonish one another. I said at the prayer meeting on Wednesday night that good leadership is only possible with good followership. Not blind followership. 
Because that happens all the time. And that leads to leadership failure. Because people go blindly along with it, even though they know something's wrong. Part of being one another is you're able to come and say to me, Pastor, you know, you, you preach that message, but here's, here's why I think you're wrong, and here's what the Bible says about it. Or, Pastor, you know, the things that you're doing, I've seen the lifestyle that you're, you're living outside of church, you know, it's not right. I want to be able to come to you in love and, and say, no, no that's, not, that's not right. That's good followership. The one another thing is good leadership and good followership together towards the common goal that Christ has for us as a local body here. Here's one. Romans 16, 16. Greet one another. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now, I'm not saying you have to go on right and kiss everybody. Don't get, don't get this out of context. But greet one another. Say hello to one another. What does that mean? It means you have to make an effort to say hello to one another. You know, I, I wouldn't want to wish to do this, but I could. And, you know, I could go around and do a pop quiz and ask everybody to name everybody in here. Now, I understand there's visitors, non-regulars, but there's people who've been in this church for a long time and we may not even know their names. One another. We've got to greet one another. Even if you think, oh, no, no, not him, not her. <laughs> they're brother and sister in Christ if they're saved they're born again this great one another means there's a fellowship together 1 Corinthians 12 25 no schism in the body but the members should have the same care for one another we need to care for one another this is part of the one anotherness that we're called to now, I'm, I'm saying these things, and I know what the Scripture says, and I know what we should do, and I know what I should do, but I am going to be the first person to tell you this morning that this is hard going. Why is it hard going? Because this is not about you, it's about others. And we are selfish beings by our fallen sinful nature. And we will prioritize, number one, before we think of other people. That's just who we are. We've got to fight against that. That's the point. We've got to care for one another. Uh, Ephesians uh, tells us, uh, sorry, Galatians, sorry, tells us to, uh, for brethren, this is Galatians 5.13, for brethren, you have been called into liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we've got to serve one another. Again, this is, this is sacrificial. This takes effort. This takes work. This takes patience. This takes love. Galatians 6.2, I talked about this last Sunday night. We've got to bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. We can't be burden bearers unless people are willing to be burden sharers. That's the truth of it. And when we don't share our burden, now I'm not talking about every single thing. We don't want just to turn this into one big pity party. I'm talking about the real things that are going on, the serious things. We have to share them. Because to not share them doesn't enable the rest of the body to fulfill the law of Christ. So you're hindering others from doing what they're called to do in the body. For us all to be burden bearers, we have to be burden sharers. You have to take it forward. You have to forgive one another. Notice what it says there, forgiving one another. Now, we're going to fall out at times. It happens. We're going to um, 
say things that's going to upset somebody, especially if you're, 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 you're reactive. I'm a reactive person. And sometimes I say things and it flies out, and then I walk away and go, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Even though I meant no. <laughs> I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. We've got to forgive when that happens. Let's not pretend that it doesn't happen. I think that's the worst thing we can do as a one another body. Pretend that these things don't happen. But that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to forgive. Ultimately, we're meant to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Always pointing back to, what has the Saviour done for me? Therefore, what should I do to those that are his? That's the truth. Again, be patient. Ephesians 4.2, we've talked about that. Ephesians 4.15, Paul goes on to say, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. I think we're in a society today that that speaking the truth is anathema, would you say? You can't tell the truth because it becomes hatred or bigotry or whatever it may be. But we're to speak the truth in love. That means as the one and others, we do this together. If, if, if uh, you see a, a brother that has fallen or a sister has fallen, that is, is living a life that is leading them away from the Lord, leading them into sin, they're drifting to danger, that in love you come alongside them with the relationship you've built with them because that's when they'll listen to you. If you have no relationship with them, if they don't even know your name and you don't know their name, and you come along and say, you know what, that's wrong, you need to stop that, the barriers are going to go up, right? Defeat our belief. That's what it is. You want to tell them this truth from the word of God that they're not living right, but their defeated belief is that I don't respect this person, I don't know this person. Who do they think they are? That's what we do. That's, that's who we are as human beings. But if we have the one anotherness, then when we come to say, do you know what, I've, 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 like I've, I've seen what you, you've done, coming to them individually, not making a show of it, a dance of it, not slaying them with the sword, but helping them to see in a loving way the truth of their situation. We've got to be able to do that. We've got to be kind and compassionate in that Ephesians 4, uh, 32. Part of this, we've got to submit. Ephesians five twenty one, submitting yourselves one to another. That's hard. That's hard. Individualistic society. Darwinian thought, survival of the fittest. I don't need anybody. I'm not accountable to anybody. I'm a free spirit. That's how God made me. Listen, God is a God of order. And he created order from the beginning. He's given direction and order of the church. He's given the body of the church for his purposes and for our growth. And part of that is we have to be willing to submit ourselves to one another. To listen Whenever those that have, have been put in places of, of, of spiritual leadership over you speak into your life from the word of God and say, you know what, that's, that's not right. We've got to submit ourselves one to another. We've got to look to each other's interests. For, uh, look not every man to his own things, but every man also in the things of others. So again, you get this concept that self has to get to the back. We don't think of ourselves uh, any less of ourselves. We think of ourselves less. That's one another living. Bear with 
one another. Now, those that are married, you've got to bear with one another. You've got to bear with one another. It's a church. It's a family. We've got to bear with one another. All of you can think of family members that really you have to bear. That rub you up the wrong way or whatever. But in this family, we have to bear with one another. Got to teach one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And again, we're taking application from these verses this morning, but the application is we're all part of this. We're all teaching each other. Pastor has oversight of the teaching, but you know, discipleship is, is how you live your life and how others see it. How you do the one another will help others do the one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another. Hebrews 10.24, consider one another. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another. 1 Peter 4.10, employ the gifts that God has given you to one another. To one another. Be humble. 1 Peter 1.5. Clothe yourself with humility. As you minister to one another. James 5. Pray for one another. James 5.16. Confess your faults to one another. Be open and honest. Those are the things we're doing. Now, I, I, I've skirted through this because... If you take the time and you do a word search and study, you'll see there are far more in there. The point I'm trying to get across this morning that I hope you're going to take away is that Scripture is clear for New Testament church, us, in the church age today, there are one another's that we must do. Clue, you cannot do these without one another. These are not solo efforts. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. So that's the positive commands. We'll just have a look at uh, only a few of the negative commands. These are things that we're not to do. Lie not to one another. Lie not to one another. Do we have any liars in here this morning? Okay. All right. Lion's easy. Lion's easy. Let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. As a pastor, I've been in ministry now, coming up to eight years, seven or eight years now. I have been lied to on Sundays by more people than I care to count. Let me tell you how. How are you doing? Ready? Here it comes. I'm good. What's that for, for most of us? Honestly, truth. It's a lie. It's a lie. No, hey, hey. People said to me, how are you doing, Pastor? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Well, I'm really not. We're, we're good at the lying part. But what does Scripture say? This is not me coming up with some fancy philosophy. This is the Word of God. It says, lie not one to another, 
Saying what? You've put off the old man with the deeds of the old man. That when we do that, it's not in the new, it's in the old. We've been saved to a new and living way. We are in Christ Jesus and we're to live as he would live. That's our goal, that's our purpose. One of the things we can do that, a very basic thing as a church, is to be able to say, when the pastor asks, when somebody else asks, do you know what? I'm not good. In fact, things aren't great. I don't want to go into it, but would you just pray for me? How refreshing would that be? Now, I'm going to get to the door this morning, and I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> and we'll see. We'll see. But we're not to lie to one another. We're to stop passing judgment. Now, let me caveat this. It's not that we're not to judge in a righteous way. But this preference thing, where we hold people up because, and, and, and hit them with a sword because they don't fall up to our standards and preferences, has no place in the one another. There's no place in the one another. Let us therefore judge one another, not judge one another anymore. Let's not be a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in a brother's way. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, and I'm talking to you. Have you ever been a stumbling block to somebody? I've tripped people up. I've, in fact, I'm going to be honest. There's times in my Christian life, especially in the early days, where I have rugby tackled people to the ground. I have. God forgive me for that. We're not to be stumbling blocks. Now, it's not that we're to say anything goes. But when it's scriptural, when it's there, when it's God's will in the word, we hold it and we fight for it. When it's a preference... We defer and we go, do you know what? That's fine. That's preference. It's not my preference. But I'm not going to trip you up. A new believer comes along and, you know, they've quoted somebody or said something that you think, oh, they don't. Listen, love them. Teach them. Beat them over the head. They're babes in Christ. We've got to grow together. So there's a time for righteous judgment, but there's a time where we've just got to keep our mouths shut. Galatians 5.15, but if you bite and devour one another. Now, I, you know, I'm sure there are, there are many Christians here this morning that are seasoned saints. And one of the things that, uh, you know, Brian often says in, in his prayers, and, you know, I'm sure he's listening at home, is that he's thankful that there's never been a schism or split within this church. I'm always very wary when he says that because I'm thinking that means there's one coming around the corner. Hopefully, no, but it is good. That's the way, the way it should be. But how many of you that have come from maybe different churches or been through different church experience, have life ministry in there, can attest to that, to the biting and devouring of one another within the body of Christ? That it's consumed them and they've split and churches have fallen apart or wherever it may be. We don't need that. We don't want that. In fact, we're commanded not to do that. That's not part of the one anotherness. Now, the doctrinal truth is that we are cemented in doctrine, that we come into the membership of the church because we agree to that doctrine. Now we're talking about the personal stuff, the self. Am I going to be prideful? Am I going to uh, esteem one another above myself and, and, and just not force my preferences? That's how we do the one anotherness well. Part of that is... To not um, 
slander one another. Well, sorry, not to uh, be conceited. Galatians 5.26 Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. You know, one of the deadliest things, I, I believe, and I think social media really has a, has a platform for this. And, you know, use social media, that's fine. But here's the thing. The devil has weaponized comparison. He has weaponized comparison. When you look and you see and you think, well, that's not me, that's not us, why don't I have that? That's a weapon of the devil. It's a weapon. But let's not be desirous of fame and glory. Let's not provoke one another. Let's not envy one another. James 4.11, let's not slander one another. Let's have our speech seasoned with salt. James 5.9 goes on and says, don't grumble, don't grudge one uh, against another. We're good at that. Good at grumbling. Things haven't gone my way. I'm not going to let this go. It destroys from within. It destroys from within. And there's no place for it. So we just look briefly at the one another's there's positives what to do i want you to encourage you to do a word search when you go home look at these one another's for yourself take the time to look at the word of god and allow the spirit of god to convict you on these things to uplift you in these things challenge you whatever it is you want god's word to do its work think about the negative commandments what we shouldn't be doing resist the urge of the flesh and live in the spirit be part of the one anotherness, the gospel-centered, doctrine-centered one anotherness that we're called to as the church. Let me close with Romans twelve five. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Church, we want to do one another well. More so, we want to do one another biblically. And to do that, ultimately, we have to be like the Apostle Paul and say, to me, to live is Christ. That in him we can do this. But we have to be in him, abiding in him, loving him, and he will enable us to love one another and be pleasing to the one who died so that we could be one another. Let's pray.